we're back with another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts. Also as well, Inside Sports Fantasy Football. This week, we will be talking Super Bowl, the big game, here in Vegas. Crowds already flowing in for the big game. Gotta love the bad traffic here in Las Vegas. And you know what? It is all for the Super Bowl. We'll go ahead and talk about that on Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Also, as well, our good friends, of course, starting with Mr. Joe Soro. Mr. Lakers Nightcap himself will be on with his nightcap tomorrow night, 11 p.m. Pacific. Don't you miss it? Along with a full day, a full day of Lakers fast break programming is what I have on the queue for you. Not only do we have a full trade deadline special from 10 a.m. I know blue, and I know there was some people out there that did want us to go on even earlier. If I can, I'll, I'll certainly try. We'll see. we got a full day, though. At least three hours of programming for you for the NBA trade deadline, 10 a.m. Pacific to 1 p.m. Pacific. Also, as well, of course, covering the Kobe statue unveiling at 3 p.m. We're going to go for an hour there. And then, of course, our usual pregame during the game with playback.tv, slash Lakers Fast Break, postgame. And, of course, Lakers nightcap with Joe Soro as well. So hopefully we can go on the air for quite a bit with you right here at the Lakers Fast Break. But also Joe Soro, who will be on here shortly. Simblades, because he's running his Simblades, Simblades with a Y.com. Ox1947 at LakersBall.com. And, of course, you know him from Lakers nightcap. Our good friends, Laker Tom and Jamie Sweet. Laker Tom says by hook or by crook. He'll try to be on the NBA trade deadline special tomorrow. We'll see how angry he gets. The Lakers don't have any activity two years ago. I don't, not sure if you want to go ahead and check out, you might, but yes, he was turning different shades of red and purple in that last uh, few moments when finding out the Lakers were not making any moves at that time. So it was great viewing for everyone out there. If you want to go ahead and reflect on that, but also he and Jamie, hopefully will stop by Lakerholics.com. Of course, our good friends, Empire Jeff TV, Lakers in five, also as well, Lakers Corner and Clutch Talk with John Costa. Go ahead and check those out. Of course, John McKayling as well. And Daniel Barry Sports Highlights. Just truly cannot thank those great channels enough for all the times that they're on in our chat. The best Lakers chat room that's out there, Lakers Fast Break. But if you could support those channels and ours by liking, subscribing, following, whatever you could do to help us out here at the Lakers Fast Break podcast, it is sincerely appreciated. Hey, Gerald, I figured out to change the logo on my app so I can I change the logo on playback to the LFU. Dude, you are the man, cool bro. We have nothing but respect for you, my friend. You go, my friend. I just truly appreciate all the support. For someone who is out there, he's got 15 years old, got his whole life ahead of him, trying to be as uh, you know active out there as a teenager. We just truly appreciate you spending some of your time with us here at the Lakers Fast Break, as with all of you here joining us for the Lakers fast break. Blue Magic says, are we going to get a midnight trade? We'll see. We will see indeed. But it is, of course, the NBA trade deadline coming up tomorrow, right around high noon Pacific Standard Time. And here today to discuss even more some of his thoughts around the NBA trade deadline, if the Lakers will do something. Because you see the reports on ESPN, the Woj uh, video talking about tempering 
people's enthusiasm on the Lakers making a big trade because of the fact that D'Angelo's emergence plus the you know the assets involved that would be needed to go ahead and pull off a trade may not be the easiest to do. But here today to discuss that, a possibility of, of there being trades for the Lakers and more. Good man indeed. He is our man in the know when it comes to the Lakers fast break. It is Stone Hansen. Stone, great to have you here. Cool, bro. We truly appreciate the support. He's changing his Twitter logo to ours on X. So thank you so much for doing that. And we truly appreciate your support. But Stone, you've got much to say about the NBA trade deadline still. Some options, some thoughts, some theories. You've got the four, my friend. What are you going on? Uh, what's going on with the Lakers? And what do you think might happen for the NBA trade deadline? Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, obviously, I can't predict the future, but I'll do my best to sort of lay out the different options that uh, the Lakers might have. Um, <clears throat> so uh, if you want to hear sort of just things I said to keep in mind, you can listen to the last episode. I went over a couple of things that probably important to keep in mind, and I'll just reiterate that uh, fans tend to overvalue their players. So um, if we... Some of the options I'm throwing out here or any sort of trades I might have, uh, don't get too mad at me because generally speaking, um, fans have a higher value on the players than the league does. So um, expectations should be tempered somewhat. Uh, I, I'll start off. I, I made sort of a list, not necessarily um, all players that the Lakers are going to go after, but players that I think are probably going to be available. Um, and, uh, you know, none of these names are huge, like barn burners or anything. It's not going to change a whole lot, but I think they're all players or mostly players that are interesting to some degree. Um, I have Spencer Dinwiddie on here, uh, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, um, Tyus Jones, DeLon Wright, uh, Bruce Brown, uh, Davis Bertans, um, Evan Fournier, Harrison Barnes, Kelly Olynyk, Colin Sexton, uh, DeAndre Hunter, Gordon Hayward, and Kyle Lowry. So those are all names that I sort of went through the league and was thinking these are probably the most available names that are, you know, rotation players at least, or could be rotation players, or uh, players such as Fournier or um, Davis Bertans are more I listed because of financial reasons and we can get into that. But um, so those are, those are players that I think are likely, or at least I would say have about a 50% chance of being traded. So I wouldn't guarantee that they're going to be traded, but I think they're pretty available if a team were to be interested in them uh, is how I'll put it. I love Hernan's. Well, I want to say I love Hernan's thoughts here. This is a Laker Tom deluxe. He was thinking about trading wood for a true legitimate backup center and a three and D wing. And I said, if you could do that when Wood only has a, a minimum contract, I would say I would, I would, right pers <laughs> I would personally nominate Rob Palinka as GM of the year, GM of the decade. If he could do that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I love yeah, having be, you heard that. Uh, that'd be, I'd be excited about that. Um, so uh, I'll go through a couple uh, or some of the Lakers players in terms of their availability and how I see it. Um, 
So obviously you have LeBron and AD. AD's not going anywhere. LeBron's not going anywhere. I, like I said, it's not impossible, but it's as close to that as you can get. Um, I think that D'Angelo, Re, Max Christie, and Hood Shafino and Wood are all sort of clumped together to me as the most available uh, players for trade. I think um, all of those guys uh, to some team or another might hold value. Yes, even Christie and Hood Shafino, uh, despite what I think about them, they are still young and the league values that to some degree. Uh, not saying they're going to value that a whole lot. They're not, they're, they're more just deal sweeteners than more than anything, but nonetheless, I view them as available. Uh, Christian Wood is on a contract that's still minimal enough to where I think he might have some value. Again, not a whole lot of value, but uh, I think teams might have some interest in him. Um, and then uh, you have guys that I could see as part of a deal, but I think that are more in it as far as a package. So you have guys like uh, Torian Prince, Cam Reddish, and uh, Gabe Vincent, and Jackson Hayes. Those guys all to me um, are sort of deals that are – or, or players that are in there to make deals work. So if you have some sort of package that you like and a team wants a little more, maybe throw in Kim Reddish. Uh, if you need more salary, depending on what that salary is that you're taking back and uh, the play, the level of players you're getting back, um, you can add Gabe Vincent and or Torian Prince just to match salary purposes. But uh, teams are not likely to be interested in them for their basketball reasons. It's more more so for their salary to match that. Um, so that's sort of where I view uh, how the Lakers players, their availability. Um, I We can get into how likely they all are to be traded, but I think that's sort of the uh, availability ladder in terms of you know the, um, the odds of them getting moved. I just wanted to go ahead and update a little bit on the injury situation. Uh, no word yet on Gabe Vincent. Uh, and again, people... I know everybody wants Gabe Vincent gone, but because of his bad knees right now or bad knee and knee issues, uncertainty when he might come back to the lineup and the fact he's on a three-year contract and having knee issues already, that makes them extremely unattractive unless you are going to package picks with him out the door. So I don't think the Lakers are, unless they really want his contract off the books, that they are going to go ahead and and bundle that. But if if you do see him gone, expect to have a first or a couple seconds attached along with him just to see him uh, away from L.A., which would be Rob pretty much admitting him uh, his signing as a, as a failure for the Lakers. But I do also want to mention Cam Reddish's knee. According to Dave McMenamin, he, it will be evaluated by team doctors before game time on Thursday. So he's closer to return. I wanted to go ahead and mention that. And D'Angelo Russell had a tune-up procedure stone that was pre-planned. Sounds like when I go, you know, get an oil change or something. My God, man, pre you know, tune-up procedure. Let him you know, that that's something okay. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to go too much. It just he's going to be a game time decision as well. Uh, you know, D'Angelo, you know, he's played so well. So you know, big props to him for for changing his game i know you're not the biggest fan of d'angelo in the world he has gone up and down in his career 
pretty much that's that's been his career is that he's been up and down and his defensive issues are still there regardless but with the way he's playing now i think it it just makes the lakers take pause and think do we or do we not want to go ahead and trade the uh, while he's playing so well uh i mean like i said i would strike when the iron's hot is sort of my take on it uh this is the best he's played so why not capitalize on it and get the most you can for him? Um, to me, he's he's too inconsistent to bet on this, you know, continuing into next year. If he even picks up his option, uh, there's no guarantee he does that either. So uh, to me, I'm, I'm interested in trading D'Angelo. Um, and, you know, I know people are not super interested in that because of how he's playing, but you can't bank on him playing like this for the rest of his Laker tenor. I mean, it's just, uh, it's not sustainable considering the track record D'Lo has. He's just very up and down. Um, he happens to be up right now. And to me, that's, that's when you should look to trade him. Um, as far as the injury thing, I don't even really understand why it was reported. I mean, guys get stuff like this done all the time and it's not reported. It just happens to be that D'Lo's name is in the rumor mill and it's close to the trade deadline. But uh, to me, it, I mean, it's nothing. So I ask you, my friend, if you're in Atlanta and you seriously are, are thinking about which way you want to go, there's also the thought and also been talk in recent days that, you know, they gave up a lot for DeJounte Murray. And DeJounte Murray has been talked about now with other ball clubs as far as possible trades to their destination as well. But none of these moves, and I'll go into some trades today that were made earlier today. But when it comes right down to it, you know, if you don't see anything you like, keeping him and and holding on to him and and seeing how it matriculates over the course of the offseason for a team that's not going to probably go too far into the playoffs anyways, might make sense to hold on to him for for now. Yeah, to me, the Hawks, the Hawks don't have a ton of incentive to really trade with anyone to, to move uh DeJounte I mean the only thing I could think of is that obviously his salary jumps by quite a bit uh headed into the next year but I mean to me that means I would rather keep DeJounte because you can include him as part of a bigger deal with and get more because or think about trading Trey Young I will see yeah I I would like Trey Young on the team I don't think the Hawks are ever going to trade Trey Young I think he'd probably leave on his own volition or he would request out but um yeah DeJounte they just traded a three first two swaps for him last year I know people and I agree that his value has gone down uh excuse me you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to recoup what you paid for him at this point but I also think you can get more than just D'Angelo and possibly a first that's to me, fairly beatable by other teams in the league. Um, and the Hawks just don't really have that much incentive to me to really do that. <clears throat> the other thing, uh, excuse me real quick. And yes, go ahead, my friend. No worries. No worries. Sorry, I got something in my throat or something. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so they, they don't have a lot of incentive to me to really move him. It's more just a lot of things you know are this is how the rumor room works uh 
if it is really on the table, because generally speaking, when there's this much smoke, there tends to be some spark of fire. Um, <clears throat> and that's everything anyone's talking about uh, is, you know, that's probably the biggest rumored trade throughout this deadline is a DeJounte to Lakers deal. But um, so I would be interested in trading for him for a couple of reasons. One is, like I said, D'Angelo is playing the best basketball of his career. Uh, trade him while he's doing that because it's not going to last forever. Um, D'Angelo also is not guaranteed to pick up that option headed into the summer. So you might just lose him for nothing. Uh, and I hate doing that. I hate when assets just walk out the door and you get nothing in return for them. And I'm pretty adverse to taking that risk. Uh, when it's somebody of that caliber, like D'Angelo, it's not like we're, you know, in the first seed and competing for a championship. Uh, we're competing for like a first round playoff exit. So to me, it's not worth taking that risk of keeping him. I'd rather get DeJounte and you have him for a longer period of time and you have more time to find a deal uh, to bring in somebody that's more attractive long term. Um, and so you think it's worth giving up the 29 first? Uh, I would give up the 29 first because the way I view it is that I would give D'Lo in the first. I would not include Reeves. Uh, and, um, I'll put this out there right now. I, I think Reeves is pretty much untouchable. I don't see him being moved. Um, I would trade D'Angelo in the 29 first, because I think, like I said, you, there's no guarantee that D'Angelo is coming back. I, I mean, people just assume that for whatever reason, but. He's making $18 million a year. Another team can pay him that. It's not like some ungodly number. Um, so if he were to leave, then you're stuck without his salary and him as an asset, and you just have your picks, and you're hoping you can put those around, you know, a couple other, like, Rihachimuras and stuff. That's not really going to get you a ton and put them around Reeves, maybe. To me, I'd rather spend the – I think DeJounte – has more value obviously than 129 first. Uh, so the way I view it is if Dilo were to leave, you're stuck with just the 29 first. But if you trade that 29 first in addition to Dilo, now you have DeJounte, who's worth more than that 29 first would have been, and you have two extra picks you can attach to DeJounte to get something better. So that's the sort of the prism I'm framing it in. Uh, and to me, logically, that's just sort of the strategy I would go with because. It it's not worth to me taking that risk of D'Angelo leaving and then you're out an asset, you're out that salary, uh, and then you just have the first left. I think DeJounte provides more value than that first would. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Bring me all of the Star Trek all of the time, and I will be an incredibly happy girl. Even if it's terrible, it's like pizza. Bad pizza is still pretty good because it's pizza. Bad Star Trek is still pretty good because it's still Star Trek. That's the way that I look at it. Just let it sit in the refrigerator for a day and be cool. That's it. Yep. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it is the Lakers Fast Break. It is Stone Hansen along with me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for listening. Truly appreciate it. And watching as well. Please make sure you like and subscribe to get the latest notifications of when we go live on the air with the latest Lakers Fast Break podcast. Do you want to thank 
of course, Blue Magic. I appreciate you dropping the please like and subscribe for us here. But also here today, good man indeed. He is the mastermind behind Simblades, Simblades with a Y.com. And of course, the guy who hosts your Lakers nightcap with Joe Soro. It is Joe Soro. Joe, good to have you here. Cool Bro is asking me to start this day on a different note. Do you like K Earth 101? I can't do that. That that that's just too high for my voice. Sorry, I hurt your ears on that one. K Earth 101. There you go. Second time around was a little better. No, that's I like don't. Old. I don't listen to, to to terrestrial radio anymore. Not since 2007. You know what's so funny? Because I actually listened to it when I was in California for like five minutes, and I was thinking to myself, "My God, the songs on K Earth 101." And Stone knows this because he's from Cali. The songs there now that they play now, the songs I listened to when I was your age, cool bro, that scares me because K101 was playing 50s and 60s music forever on that channel. So, my God. Uh, so, Joe, getting back to the NBA trend deadline, uh, you know, uh, I just saw, I was telling everybody out there a report from, from Woe. She went on the air and uh, I, I just trying to read in between the lines on the tea leaves he was talking about as far as the Lakers, you know, out there as a fans tempering their enthusiasm on getting a, a you know, a bigger contributor than what uh, most people will see projecting out for the NBA trade deadline. You know, as far as the DeJounte Murray's, the Bruce Browns, uh, you know, those higher end role players slash starters that, may make some difference for the Lakers, but he was trying to temper some enthusiasm based off of A, the assets the Lakers have, and B, the rise and play of D'Angelo Russell. Uh, with all due respect to D'Angelo Russell, uh, unfortunately, he's not a big enough asset to bring back someone who would warrant a shape-shifting type ability. Uh, the late the, the the league in general is just doesn't have anything, and anyone with a little bit of intelligence knows this. It's it's so bad right now that they're they've or the the noise in and around the league right now is down to the Lakers are interested in Donovan Mitchell in the summer. What the hell is that going to do for us now? And how is Donovan Mitchell available for the Lakers in the summer? What 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 is how, how who concocted that idea and why? What would the Lakers have? Let's just say everybody plays well, but we lose, right? Because obviously, if we win it all, we're not going to be looking for Donovan Mitchell in the summer. But let's just say D'Angelo plays well, Austin plays well, Rui plays well. Obviously, LeBron and and and, and AD play well, and we still don't win. Not does that make sense? Like there's a bunch of stuff there that doesn't make any sense. I'm thinking if all five play well, maybe there is a shot. But playing well, and I'm for the radio people, I'm I'm putting the bunny ears on the side, like Dr. Evale. There's <laughs> how can someone tell me how the Lakers are going to get Donovan Mitchell with the money he's making. How? Oh, I got it. We're getting two more first-round picks. Yes. Yes. And what else? D'Angelo Russell? 
who's going to maybe be a free agent? Rui Achimura? Austin Reeves? <sighs> Folks, I want you guys to really, really, really listen to this. I know you want positiveness. Believe me, everyone wants positiveness. Everyone wants, everyone wants the new shiny toy. Uh, there is no new shiny toy. It's just not there. It's not there and it's not coming. The shiny toy is not there. The Lakers got the shiny toy in 2018 when LeBron decided to come to L.A. And then they got the shining new toy about, I don't know, 13 months, 14 months later when AD demanded a trade to L.A. Those are our two shiny toys. And what we need now is we need to make sure to get maybe a little bit of uh, stuff around those things to put around those shiny new toys. But that's been somewhat of a problem, too. So with that, now it's time to just take all those toys and just tell the kids, guys, you can't afford any more toys, okay? This was the next big thing. This was the big thing here. And then you got another big thing. And then the rest are, you know, little Lego things here and there that you can put together. That's it. That's it. That's the only thing we can afford right now for you to play with. Down the line, maybe we might be able to get you something, but we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to see how the budget uh, materializes. We're going to have to see what new thing comes out that might make sense to buy that particular item. You see how it correlates, folks? See how, see how that makes sense? So the Lakers have really a few options between now and tomorrow. At, I believe it's 3 o'clock Pacific time. And that it's, is it's 12. It's 12. 12. It's 12 okay. Three, okay, yeah. So three yeah. o'clock Eastern time. Got it. Okay. So 12 o'clock Pacific time. Their option is they got to figure out how to use certain second round picks to get maybe a backup serviceable backup point guard. Why? I think we've said this before. They got a trash can this off season, wasted the MLE on one. So I'd like to see if we can get at least that. I don't think we're going to be able to get a big, Unless by some miracle there's there's a, a big that gets bought out and we pick them up off the off the waiver wire. Well, buyout market, I should say. Sorry. I, I don't know. And, and is Jackson Hayes, are we giving up on Jackson Hayes now after he's had a few good games? That's something to, to wait on. But I'd like to get a backup point guard, if possible, that could be somewhat serviceable because they don't really have that. Anything that can help LeBron not have to control the ball, not only in just the health purpose, but we saw what happened in the fourth quarter against Charlotte when he started playing LeBron ball. It, it, it stagnates the team. We need – we LeBron is talented enough to play off ball, folks. He can do that, and I think we need to support that. Um, I don't think Drummond is going to be a buyout candidate from my – no, he'll get traded. He just had a 16 yeah, I, I just don't game. see how that, that would make any sense. Uh, well, it didn't work the first time, but he has been playing well. I will give you that. The first time we had him around. Didn't work out exactly quite well the last time. Yeah, I, I don't I, – I just – I don't look at that particular player as, a, as an option, to be honest with you. If he is, great. Not – no difference to me at this point. Lakers have to go with what they have now. It's, it's just something they have to come to grips with. Um, and it, there's nothing else really to discuss. 
Joe is telling his honest thoughts, Isabel. We don't fake it. Like <laughs> I feel like we have to repeat this all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say it anymore, folks. You should be able to figure it out watching this show. It's, it's what it is. It's what it is. Now, if we're not going to get the kind of viewership that a lot of these guys who put clickbait comments on, so be it. We'll get there eventually because at some point the, the, there are enough people out there that do want to hear what needs to be heard instead of. Do you want honesty well, or do you want flowers and dishonesty? I, I'm not going to be on the show if that's the case. I, it won't yeah. work that way. And I know, I know, I know Stone won't work that way. Yeah. So Gerald, Gerald's probably a little bit more adaptable. Gerald has worked. I'm going to tell you how it is. I've been telling people realistically for four years on this, on this channel. So if you don't like it, keep on listening because it's going to keep on happening for you. So, I mean, all these people say, you know, they love us and it's most greatly appreciated. And then we have just a select few that go ahead and say, well, you know what? We don't like your negativity. We don't like your negativity. We don't like your negative. Well, you know what? It's the real world. There's the fantasy land that a lot of people live in this time around when it comes to their favorite teams. And then there's the real world which we bring to you every oh, single time. Oh, and there's no filters everybody. here either, folks. Yeah. See? This is what I look like in real life. Oh, there you go. When you, when, you, when you go on Facebook these days, all those women who take pictures like this, to hide their <laughs> double chins, <laughs> they put the camera right here, and then they filter it. Your fake-ass fake jokes are everywhere. They're your family members, they're your friends, they're your strangers online, whatever. Fakeness uh, makes people feel good. Fakeness is fantasy. People like fantasy. Now, I like fantasy too. I like Star Wars. I like Lord of the Rings. But guess what, folks? When the movie is over, I'm, we're, we have to, you have to go back to you know real life. And uh, yeah, that's important because now, if if we're all up here proven wrong and this on this panelist and the Lakers win a championship, we're going to be right there with you as being the happiest people out there as fans. We'll say we'll we'll go on here. We'll honestly tell you we were wrong. Isabel, you still think that in the Mamba year twenty twenty four, the Lakers will win a championship? If that's your belief, more power to you. But we cannot be dishonest with the audience. We've got to tell you our honest feelings and, and opinions. And, uh, you know, whether it's Laker talk. I've heard that, you know, Rodell's asking for other panelists to be on. You need to you need to offset certain individuals with other, other individuals. This is not a political show. You want a left-right combination? Go to CNN. Go to MSNBC. Go to Fox. I don't care. This is... Whoever is available as a voluntary panel member to come on the show to tell it like they feel like. Well, it makes sense that you say it that way, Gerald, because I'm a registered independent. I'm not neither left or right, which only explains further what the show is about. We're about middle, in the middle of everything, right? And we're, we got all these things on each side coming at us. And what we're doing is we're deflecting it and saying, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on a second. What's going on, really? That's what that is. Some would say, oh, you're just one of those guys that just kind of stays away from both things so that, you know, you, you kind of tread water. No, 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 no. No. There's some things I go this way on, and there's some time I go, sometimes I turn left, sometimes I turn right. Just matter of 
common sense situations. So when you're in the middle of the road, like we are, we're driving, and then we got to adapt to, are we going right here or are we going left here? You know, what's going to avoid the crash? What's going to avoid hitting a car? Well, I will, you know, let me I'm just say gonna, I'm not going to imagine, I'm not going to imagine turning right when there's a rig in front of me and going, oh, well, it'll move. No, we don't do that. Uh, this is, it's very important to, 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 to really understand that the league is changing, folks. The league is changing. The league does not want movement anymore based off what we've seen. The super contract, now that they've implemented the 65-game minimum for you to get your awards, why is that all of a sudden a problem now? Why? Because an all-NBA team selection now means you get a supermax. People want their money. Now their responsibility goes up. Now they're not thinking about, ooh, I want to go play over here because I want to win. They couldn't care less right now. And you, you're seeing it. You're seeing people going, I don't want to be bothered out of getting my not getting my Supermax money. I don't care if it's Indiana. I don't care if it's in Miami, L.A., none of that stuff. That's what's going on. It's going to take extreme situations to do what, let's say, AD did four years ago. I'm not saying that's not going to happen again. It's just not going to be as easy as it was then. Once again, it is the Lakers fast break. It is Joe Soro along with Stoe Hansen. It is, of course, right there for you. Lakers fast break. Gerald Glassford, thanks so much for watching. This team truly appreciate it. I'll just say this and I'll turn it over to you, Stone. Uh, when it comes right down to it, uh, we truly thank you, Isabel, and everyone out there for your support. Whether or not you agree or disagree with your opinion, with our opinions, that's fine. But Let's put it this way. We look at things in a realistic tone. Lakerholics.com, you have Jamie Sweet and Laker Tom arguing all the time with each other because they have those different ideals about the Lakers. The thing is, though, Stone, if we're all, all three of us are wrong on our assessments, the Lakers win the title. If we're right, we communicate that to the audience and reiterate our knowledge as basketball panelists here so how do we lose in that situation stuff mm, i don't know we, you're you're always gonna lose <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah this is the internet that's true yes yeah internet, no, you, internet no matter, won, you can't uh, please yeah. everyone i mean that's just the reality of it doesn't matter so the way i view it is i always just say what i believe and people can take it or leave it and because even if i try to make it palatable to people uh, not everyone's going to like it. So I, I, I don't bother trying. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so real quickly to the trade stuff. I have a couple deals. I was playing around at the trade machine. Uh, some of these, I think, have a somewhat of a, a realistic chance of happening. Uh, other ones are also realistic, but I think I'm, I'm using them more as an illustration as to ways the Lakers could go rather than you know trying to predict what's going to happen um so I, I mentioned this one uh yesterday i think uh where it was uh, i might, i don't know i might have mentioned it but um uh Rui hachimura and christian wood for uh evan fournier and quentin grimes uh is a, a trade that i was sort of messing around with um I don't really know how realistic it is. I kind of don't think it is because I don't think Quentin Grimes is as available as people say, but 
I put it there more as an illustration to say that uh, maybe you can use somebody like Rui to take on expiring salary because uh, Fournier will be a, a team option headed into the summer. Um, you can that decline. would be a good deal. I like that deal because of that flexibility that it gives you over the summer. Yeah, it gives you $18 million in space right there. Uh, you have a younger guy, Quentin Grimes, that's still on a rookie contract. Um, oh, not the player, Darren. Not the player. The contract is what everybody would when it comes to Fournier. Yeah, I'm not I'm not interested in Fournier taking up a roster spot. I'm interested interested in him leaving a roster spot and his money <laughs> off the books. Uh so it's more financial purposes and you're getting a young guy in Quentin Grimes. Again, I, I'm more saying this as a way to illustrate this is a thing the Lakers could look towards a, a route rather than necessarily the specific trade, but it opens up financial flexibility and I think that's something if the Lakers are viewing this year like we are in terms of it's a pretty small chance or a, a zero chance really that we're going to actually win the championship um they can look towards financial flexibility and set themselves up in the future rather than uh go after names that are going to marginally help us i don't think that's how the lakers view this but i'm just throwing that out there as you know a possibility um the other thing uh is uh, Bruce Brown, that's, every name's talking about that. I know right now Utah's the big name. That's probably where he ends up. But uh, Bruce Brown, I had he can't be uh, aggregated with other salary. That's just the way his contract is structured and different rules within the CBA. So uh, I think a realistic, somewhat realistic Bruce Brown deal would be like Rui Hachimura and uh, Hood Shafino uh, in a second for Bruce Brown. Um, I don't know. I mean, Toronto has an affinity for six, nine guys, but, um, I don't know if that's enough. I feel like another team could outbid us there. Uh, and likely, like I said, Utah probably ends up with them anyways. Uh, let's see a couple other ones I had. The Nets is a big thing to watch because there's a lot of variations that could go on there. Uh, I think the Nets are probably the most likely trade partner that we end up with tomorrow. Uh, and it's everyone wants it to be, you know, uh, let's get Dinwiddie and Finney Smith and Royce O'Neal. I think it's more likely we get one or two of those guys than all three. Um, but I think that we have a decent chance at getting one of them. Again, it's not going to shake things up that much, but uh, a couple variations I came up with was that, uh, you know, in order to really get all of it, uh, if you wanted to push that narrative, which again I see as unlikely, would be DeLaree, Prince Wood for Dinwiddie, Finney Smith, O'Neal in two firsts. Um, that's not a trade that a lot of people are going to like, but you're going to get more firsts and potentially set yourself up with more flexibility in the summer because O'Neal and Dinwiddie are $30 million that are expiring in the summer. Um, that's something to keep in mind too. Uh, Finney Smith of those three is the only guy that's going to have money beyond this year. Uh, O'Neal and Dinwiddie are both expiring deals. Um, so any deal we make with them, I think is not us trying to re-sign them in the summer. I think it's us getting a short-term rental and freeing up that cap flexibility headed into next year. So for that reason, I actually kind of feel like Finney Smith is the most likely player uh, of the Nets trio that's rumored uh, that we'd be going after. And in that scenario, 
it would probably re be re for Finney Smith. I feel like uh, just financially, that's what makes the most sense. Um, the other option is if the Lakers were willing to part with their first, which to me, Finney Smith is, I wouldn't want to move the first for Finney Smith. If I was another team, maybe, but not for the Lakers. So I don't think that makes a lot of sense. So I think it would have to be Rui for Finney Smith. Um, and then I think that's most all of it. Uh, Brogdon, I had a deal here, but it just seems like he's not going to be moved. It seems like he's going to stay in Portland at this point. Uh, so I'm not even going to bring that up. And then for the DeJounte trade, uh, again, I still view it as unlikely, but it's talked about so much that I felt like it should be brought up. It would be probably D'Lo in the first for DeJounte. If the Hawks don't want DeJounte, it could be a three-team trade where maybe DeJounte goes to the Lakers, uh, D'Lo, Christie in the 20, D'Lo and Christie go to the Nets, and then the Hawks get Finney Smith, Royce O'Neal in the 29 first from Lakers. Again, I, I view DeJounte as somewhat unlikely, but it's talked about so much that I just wanted to put something out there. So that's sort of the different ways I think the Lakers could look towards financial flexibility, short-term rentals, or um, you know someone they think that'll help us get further this year, which is sort of the way I think the Lakers are going to approach it if they can get a deal worked out, because I think the Lakers still view us as contenders, regardless of the fact that we don't. Once again, it is the Lakers fast break. It is Stone Hanson, Joe Soro, and myself, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for watching this thing. Great thoughts there from Stone. Uh, and it's not that Stone is trying to or wanting to trade Rui, but it's clear this this organization, Darvin Ham, is not valuing Rui as probably as high as we are as, as uh, individuals out there because he clearly has not gotten as much of an opportunity, Joe, as others have hoped he would because, you know, when he still even gets the finally the green light to start and he still doesn't play as many minutes as Torian Prince and not even close, that tells you all you need to know about Rui's standing within the confines of the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm going to throw this out there. It's probably not likely, but let's just say it is just to start up some excitement here. Maybe, maybe managing Rui's minutes was to use him as a trade option here at this moment. Uh, the, the Lakers looking at the Brooklyn situation. Um, I'm not a really big fan of Dorian Finney-Smith, to be honest with you. Uh, Dinwiddie is, there's some noise coming out that if they don't trade him, they're going to buy him out. So why waste capital for that? If you have a possibility of maybe getting him in the, uh, buyout market and for, for the Lakers to to get a player that would be of significance it, it has to be almost for sure that this person is going to make a difference there's a few players out there that would do that uh, but not very many and I don't know if it's possible you know somebody like Alex Caruso heck even to some degree uh, maybe Schroeder but I, I just don't see Masai just taking a couple of second round picks for him, or at least maybe he's going to wait till the, till the end until it's really done. Then maybe there's an option there, whether it's the Lakers or not. I have no clue. The, the LeBron pushing the, the, the ownership to do something. 
I'm always being told that LeBron is a smart guy. Right? LeBron has this IQ that apparently is like Isaac Newton and and, and uh, Albert Einstein. That's that's what I get told all the time about his basketball IQ. <laughs> uh, by putting pressure on the Lakers after what he did in the West, being a part of the Westbrook push, you would think that he'd be smart enough to shut his trap and just play basketball at this point, considering that push destroyed his chance at winning championships. That's the problem with LeBron throwing up things with his passive aggressiveness because he's actually a big part of why they're not winning championships right now due to his decision-making. The Lakers and the NBA in general are just not in a position right now to move something here unless it's so covert where there's a big name let's use donovan mitchell again where cleveland gets this unbelievable package for him but who who is going to send someone to cleveland and then get back donovan mitchell and then they're going to now be a title contender or they have a really good shot at being a title contender oh i know one oklahoma city oklahoma city would Cleveland would Cleveland sabotage this season, which has been a pretty good one for them, and say, guys, we could get six first-round picks from Oklahoma City, and Oklahoma City can say, screw it. Let's go after a championship right now. Right now. Not likely, but... There's assets there that might make it work if it was an option. But it's not, really. I don't believe Cleveland would want to move. Why would you want to move at this point when, with the way the East is, how do you not, how do you not know that Cleveland just doesn't hit their stride and all of a sudden get to the Eastern Conference Finals? Especially with Embiid being injured now. I don't trust the Celtics, especially after the way we played against them. I don't trust the Celtics. I never will trust the Celtics. They don't come up big when it matters. Milwaukee, we're seeing what Milwaukee's doing, but the same thing happened with the Clippers earlier in the year when there was this whole shift change. With I know it's a coach versus a player, but sometimes it takes a minute to get things going. I'm still going to wait to see how that plays out. But regardless of that, you still have an East bracket that's just not consistent like it always is. Denver... Kind of just coasting again. Clippers are playing up. They're playing up right now. But how do you know? How do you know Kawhi's not? How do you know if Kawhi's going to make it through another five months? What is it? February, March, April, May, June. That's five more months that Mister Kawhi Leonard has to play without injuring something. And just like the Celtics, those things usually even out at the end from their history. So it's better for you as a Laker organization right now to bring something of some kind of depth and value, a little bit of value, backup point guard. If you can find yourself someone that might be a, I guess, a useful big to add to maybe a little bit more rebounding, just a little size, sure. But roll with this team because you never know. 
You might get lucky, LeBron and AD and the Lakers. You might get lucky. What if someone gets injured on Denver, a prominent player? Oklahoma City's too young, so I'm not really worried about them yet. And then the Clippers, they're the Clippers. James Harden, we've seen this. We've seen this thing before. And the further you get into the playoffs, Russell Westbrook gets worse, even when he was in his prime. So there's a chance of those things happening more than the Lakers bringing in some kind of miracle player between now and 12 p.m. tomorrow. So you might as well just roll what you got. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from the biggest mistake you've made for the organization. Roll with the guys you have right now. And if you don't get it at the end, hey, you still made the right call. And then in the summer, you'll have a a few more assets. Uh, You'll have some options on doing some improvement here and there. But that's it. That's all you guys got. This is what it is. Also here today, good man indeed. He just popped in here to talk with us about the NBA trade deadline. It is Laker Nick. Laker Nick, great to have you here. Want to mention again, we'll be on the air starting at 10 a.m. for sure tomorrow. I may go on earlier. We'll see. But 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific time. Go ahead and join us for that for a whole day filled with the Lakers fast break. But Laker Nick, great to have you here, my friend. I wanted to ask you this. When it comes right down to it, the Lakers, they have a lot of needs, but not a whole lot of assets. And I think people are forgetting that we don't have as many assets this time around the trade deadline. So it's a situation where you go to the store, Laker Nick, and you see all these cool things that you want, but you check the wallet and you realize you can only get so much. That's exactly right, Gerald. And salute to Stone and Joe. Um, I'm just here to underscore a a few things that have already been said. Um, Yeah, I completely agree that tomorrow um we'll see what the lakers do but i only expect uh some marginal moves um unfortunately if it is a marginal move or a lateral move uh that means that you know d'angelo russell is probably on his way out and we um likely saw his last game as a laker um and so the you know the lakers as you mentioned gerald they just don't have enough assets to bring a championship uh level or a star player to the roster um as you were asking the question i was just thinking to myself um the position that we were about a year ago and how the kyrie irving uh situation and the trade was going down there and i'm wondering now obviously um you know monday morning quarterbacking and hindsight is always 2020 as they say if we should have made that trade um back then um, you know, uh, obviously Kyrie Irving has his own issues, but, you know, a scoring point guard, someone that had already played with LeBron and has proven uh, to win alongside him. Uh, I do have my doubts whether that was uh, the right move to pass up on him. Again, I'm not sure how concrete that trade proposal was, um, but the rumors were that, that an offer was out there and the Lakers just didn't um, want to bite. The thing that I ask you, let me bring it to you again, Nick, before I hit it back to Stone. Uh, when it comes down to it, though, it, it just you've seen him with Dallas. When those games he's played with Luca have been encouraging, they're only a 500 team with those two in the lineup together, and it has been limited 
with Kyrie Irving in lineup because he's doing his thing again where he misses almost half the season. Yeah, and Gerald, I think um, it, he's not – he's far from being a perfect player and actually just to state something more like globally, and I know Joe has mentioned this before, but, you know, the if we ever made a Kyrie Irving trade and the position that we find ourselves now, it all stems back to the – Russell Westbrook mistake, right? Uh, where we gave up a lot of value to bring back a player who ultimately ended up, you know, depleting so many resources. And so the Kyrie Irving trade, although, you know, we would be getting a star player in return, um, as you mentioned, Gerald, it would be an imperfect player, but it would be as a result of a very serious mistake with the Russell Westbrook acquisition. So I ask you, Stone. As these major trades are happening today, okay, there's not many, but uh, Xavier Xavier Tillman to Boston, and then uh, Fontecchio goes to Detroit, and then Monty Morris. That may be the low-key move of the day, Monty Morris to Minnesota for Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr. That's it so far, my friend, as of this recording. So I ask you, what do you see on the horizon for the NBA trade deadline out there, my friend? A lot of these kind of moves. I think it's going to be a lot of quantity over quality is what how I would uh, expect tomorrow to go. They're going to get a lot of trades. It's just not going to be very many impactful ones. Um, uh, so... With, with like the Xavier Tillman trade, people see two seconds and Xavier Tillman and think that's a bit of a buy low that the Celtics got a good deal. In one sense, yes. In the other sense, uh, people, I think, often don't understand like the cap and financial situations. Uh, the Grizzlies had to trade um, Xavier Tillman. Otherwise, they would have to sign him to an extension this summer. Uh, and they'd be up against the second or over the second apron. Um, and you, they have th- the the new CBA essentially set up a hard cap for the NBA, uh, a hard salary cap, where if you hit that second apron, uh, your team is screwed. You have no flexibility to trade. You're not allowed to put any um, contracts together. You can only trade one contract at a time. You're not allowed to put contracts together to make any trades. Uh, you cannot purchase anyone on the buyout market. Um, the tax rates for the team is way higher uh, than it ever has been, uh, among other stipulations and rules and penalties. Um, so essentially, you're stuck with the team you have until contracts expire um, once you hit that second apron. So teams are have every incentive to shed salary. That's going to be the name of the game moving forward for the next several years is teams have to make sure they're under that second salary apron. Um, as you saw with Xavier Tillman, they let him go for two seconds. They don't want to keep him. They don't want to extend him. They'll hit that second apron. And I would expect Luke Kennard has moved tomorrow as well because his salary is up there. They want to try and get below that. Um, maybe Luke Kennard, someone the Lakers look at. I'm not sure. Maybe you have Prince, uh, and Vincent and you add like four seconds or something. I don't really know, but there's going to be a lot of these types of moves to shed salary for expirings or, you know, give it to players that or teams that have traded player exceptions that can absorb their salaries. So there's going to be a lot of that. Um, I think that 
uh, as I mentioned too previously with a lot of the Laker trades, uh, I think people in the comments seem to be thinking these are trades I want to happen. They're trades I am mentioning because I think there's it's more to exemplify different routes and things the Lakers can consider when trading. Not necessarily I want these trades to happen or I'm predicting that they'll happen. It's more that I'm trying to help people understand that there's different routes the Lakers can go and can configure things um, to prioritize financial flexibility or setting up for draft picks or uh, getting better in the short term, however it may be. I think we're going to see a lot, like I said, of a lot of teams are not going to be buyers. We're going to have a lot of, or excuse me, the other way around. A lot of teams are not going to be sellers. We're going to have a lot of buyers. And the problem is it's going to congest the market. Um, the NBA is an economy. The NBA works like an economy. Um, and the economy right now is 100% a uh, buyer's market because there's so many sellers. There, n- nobody right now is buying. They're, it's so congested. Everyone wants to be able to at least make the play in. Uh, everyone thinks they have a chance to do that. Um, it changes a lot. So a lot of teams are, you know, gunning for that rather than realizing they have no chance in selling off their team. Uh, so you're probably going to see things like, you know, maybe Bojan Bogdanovic on the Pistons. He's someone that really makes no sense there with their timeline. He's been on the trade market for like three years now or two years. He'll probably stay on the Pistons because the Pistons are going to view him as a salary that's flexible. They'll get him off the books. Uh, they won't have to take in longer term money um, and get towards that second apron. So everything is, I think that the hardest thing people or the biggest thing people need to realize is that every trade is not what you're viewing as on the court. You're not matching on court play for on court play. That's not just how trades work. A lot of it has to do with financial circumstances uh, and once you read up on the CBA and understand how salary cap works and everything, uh, you start to begin to realize that a lot of trades have financial incentives behind them rather than simply swapping on court production. And I think that's sort of going to be the biggest thing uh, to keep in mind headed in tomorrow and the biggest factor in why we're going to see a lot of little trades and not a whole lot of big ones. But there'll be a lot of, like I said, quantity over quality, I feel like. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. So, Joan, let me bring it back to you, my friend. When it comes right down to it, do you agree with Stone that that's going to be the case? Because, again, the big names this time around, the Kyrie Irvings, the Kevin Durants, they're not on the surface available as of now. There's no one zinger that we're hearing reports on. Uh, you know, you talked about your Shams and, you know, how you already said about Shams, Sharania and, and Woj. They're not reporting much out there as far as some really hot takes. In fact, even the other reporters out there are not reporting any big names being on the marketplace right now. So 
is it going to be a lot about a lot of rotation players, backline players being moved up, you know, leading up into the Thursday NBA trade deadline, Joe? Uh, yes, I agree with Stone on that. I, there's the league is uh, the parity in the league is also a big culprit of this. What is the purpose, let's say, of Kyrie going to LA? Let's say, use that as an example. What if Kyrie went up to Dallas and said, "Hey, trade me, trade me to LA." What, what would, what would LA have to do to do that? They'd have to gut their depth and do the three-man circus thing again. And the Lakers want to do that. That's better with Kyrie versus Westbrook, but Kyrie isn't particularly a good defender, right? What is what is our main problem in LA? Defense. So for them, it doesn't make sense. And then you go through guys like Donovan Mitchell. He's another one, great offensive player, not really a good defender. Jimmy Butler, is he over the hill? Do the, does Miami want to trade him? Do they think they can make another run? There's just not – there isn't that player that would make a difference. And really, that's not why you would do this. You know, the, the deadline trades, other than – I've said this before. Other than Rasheed Wallace in 04 and – uh, Clyde Drexler in '95. That, that that trade is not for the big names being traded. The deadline don't usually produce. Oh wow! Now it's going to springboard to a championship. That's not really what the Lakers are supposed to be doing. Anyways, they're supposed to be figuring out if there is the right players to implement with the stars, so that they can make a run. And it's much more difficult now than I can remember. It's just not, there isn't that guy. Uh, they didn't win the title that year, Gary. Uh, that was the following year. Powell was a, was a generational shift trade. My opinion, the Powell took them to the finals though. True. But I'm talking producing a win and in, in the Lakers situation, it's not, it wasn't like the Lakers in 08 where they, they had time to kind of, Go to go on a run that was extensive. Pauget Salt trade was the greatest trade I believe in Laker history. Uh, some have said, "Well, what about Kareem? What about Michael Thompson?" No, uh, Paul Paul Gasol coming to L.A. changed one of the all-time greats' uh, career. I mean, you, you don't get Paul Gasol in 08. I don't know if Kobe. Maybe Kobe wins one more, but not not at the dominance that they had in those those three years that he was there. AD is a is a good one. AD I think you're, I think trade. it's just because of titles, two to titles. It, to it, one it's not title. just the titles that I mean they won two, right? And they went the three finals, but it was it was it was the t- Kobe was going nowhere. Kobe was going nowhere without that trade. Bynum wouldn't have lasted. His body would have broke down whether Powell was there or not. And it just changed everything. It changed. It gave Kobe three years to really show who he really was from his talent and winning standpoint with, with him being really the front the front guy with for, for someone like me, I don't, I don't, I never considered the Shaq years Shaq's Shaq's team. I think that's a stupid comment that unfortunately those two guys birthed Shaq birthed that it's my team it's your team it's his team and Shaq doesn't win titles without Kobe now he won one with Dwayne Wade no six but that's 
we can we can kind of dissect that a hundred different ways on why that that series was won the way it was, but I'm not going to get into that because I don't feel like doing that. Uh, but the Lakers don't have the luxury of the game breaker trade like most of the team most of the teams right now they just don't. So what 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 teams that are going to be competing for a championship want to do? What I'm looking at is I'm looking at which top three team right now, both in the East and the, and, and the West, are going to go after that one player that could really make a difference. Someone like a Alex Caruso. Someone like maybe, maybe Jimmy Butler. Who? Murray, maybe. Murray has been starting to hear Murray might be going to New Orleans. Maybe New Orleans is like, look, man, we're liking where we're at here. Maybe we put in another guy in here. Maybe we could Maybe we can win a playoff series this time, and maybe if we get lucky, maybe win two. That's 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 where they're at. It's hard. It's hard because if I'm a GM right now, I'm not really excited about what's out there. I'm not expecting anything big. Small transactions. You're basically shuffling the deck at this point, seeing what will work. We won't know until the second half of the season whether those players will work. It won't be something where you're like, whoa, <laughs> this matters. I don't think we're going to get any of those. I don't I don't think. I don't think we're going to see any of those. So I ask you, Nick, and once again, it is the Lakers fast break, NBA trade deadline special part two. Coming up here as far as our preview is concerned, go ahead and make sure you check us out tomorrow morning for all the live NBA trade deadline coverage. So I ask you, Nick, when it comes right down to what you are hoping for and what are you expecting this time tomorrow as far as new additions or not new additions for the Lakers? Uh, yeah, Gerald, I mean, what I'm hoping for is probably too imaginative and it would make me look like Laker Tom on steroids. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I, I think that as far as what I'm expecting, I think, uh, yeah, to echo what Stone and and Joe have already mentioned, um, I think it's going to be minimal lateral moves at best. Um, I think the roster that we have uh, is largely going to remain intact. Um, I don't think we're going to have a roster overhaul, um, you know, largely due to the lack of assets that we have, as you mentioned, Gerald. Um, you know, and, and the contracts just make it very difficult, right? Like, uh, we have uh, Gabe Vincent who hasn't played. He's on a three-year deal. Like, who would want him? Um, you'd probably have to attach a whole lot of value to move his contract. Um, we have Jared Vanderbilt who can't even be moved uh, this season at this trade deadline. Um, apparently, AD could be traded uh, tomorrow, right, Gerald? But the likelihood of that happening is uh, less than 1%, to, to, to put it that way. So um, I expect uh, just moves. again. Yeah. Well, I just want to say uh, my apologies. Uh, reiterating, Jared Vanderbilt is the only individual on the Lakers who cannot be traded tomorrow. Yeah, and, and he's and he's injured right now. But uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, Gerald. Um, I think it's going to be uh, minimal moves. I think Laker fans might be disappointed. Um, that said, I'm not. I haven't been the biggest Delo fan throughout his career, but the way that he's been. Uh, playing over the past uh, three weeks to a month um, has been, you know, really encouraging. 
But I know that Stone mentioned that, you know, inconsistency has been a hallmark of Delo's career. So if he does end up getting traded, um, you know, Delo more than likely, if he had remained a Laker, he would probably find himself in a slump, you know, sometime in late February or March. And we would have been, you know, crying. Uh, why wasn't he moved at the trade deadline? So, Stone, let me ask you this. I just wanted to go ahead and, and give everybody an update before I do. Uh, the status report, they've just reported as far as for the injuries tomorrow. As of now, of course, the, you know, the always every day, Davis and LeBron James are questionable with their stuff. Cam Reddish, Jared Vanderbilt, and Gabe Vincent are all listed as out. D'Angelo Russell, interesting enough, after that tune-up procedure, uh, is not even listed on the injury report stone. So I don't know what that means, if it's just going to be okay for the game or if it just means that they're not putting him on there because he's in of an imminent trade. Uh, you know, I don't want to even read in, even read into the tea leaves on that one. But again, a lot of things to think about if you're a Lakers fan and if you're the Lakers brass heading into tomorrow. Yeah, like I said, I mean, the D'Lo thing means nothing to me. Like players get the, for whatever reason it was reported, but players get this sort of stuff done throughout the season all the time. And it's not even reported because it's not news. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, the Lakers are in a, a spot where, you know, they, they just got decisions to make. The ultimate decision is try and go for it now or set yourself up for later. And it, and I think uh, if they, roll with what they have they're sending a pretty clear signal to lebron that you know regardless of what you want we're gonna manage our team the way we want uh which is the right thing to do but also probably incentivizes i'm not gonna say pushes lebron out the door but incentivizes him to look at other options so i think the um the the lakers are Really, I think what you're going to see is what do they do with that pick? I think that's the real clear tone setter, I guess you would say, which is kind of weird that you're letting a 2029 pick be sort of a little bit of a sticking point um, with the with the team and the relationship of how you move forward with your star players. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I will say that it looks like nothing's going to happen Oftentimes that means nothing's going to happen. But a lot of the biggest trades that have happened in recent deadlines are the ones you never hear about. So, um, you know, I'm not saying necessarily for the Lakers, just in general at the trade deadline. Maybe there's some more excitement that we don't know about because a lot of times the big ones are the, the ones you never hear about. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm looking forward to – I love trade deadline day. Uh just in general, it's fun to, you know, look around. I'll probably be up till 3 a.m. and wake up early so I can see if any deals come through. But, um, yeah, it's looking like sort of a, a downer year, but we'll see what happens. I think, um, I, like I said, I, I'm standing firm with my prediction that the Lakers will wind up with a new starter for the rest of this year. Uh, and, again, that's a low bar because Torian Prince is the, the nominal starter right now. So. We'll see what happens. I know Rui took the last two games, but I think Ham's probably going to go back to Prince. So 
we'll see what happens, but uh, I'm more interested to see rather than what faces we get in, what this means for the Lakers future. So, so I'm going to ask us and go around the panelists here again with the Lakers fast break. It's going to be a variant, you know, we're going to try and keep it as interesting as possible, whether it's active or not active. We'll be here tomorrow to go ahead and cover it all. But leading into the trade deadline, Joe, not name the Lakers, because obviously we all have our vested interest in the Lakers. Who is the most interesting team to you heading into the NBA trade deadline? I want to see what Philly does. That's what I said as well. I want to see what Philly does. Do they believe that Embiid might be debilitated? If they don't, they feel like he'll be back and play an MVP ball. They have to make a trade. Not a matter of if, it's a half, have to. And the reason why this is important for Laker fans is there needs to be as much resistance from Philly, Milwaukee, and whomever in the East against the Celtics. And it's scary over there with Embiid being injured. And it's scary right now with Milwaukee playing like complete asshats. That's my fear this year, really. Uh, the Lakers not winning isn't a fear. It's what's been presented at the at this point. But the Lakers, you know, this thing gets worse if the Celtics win a title. It becomes way worse. It becomes now, how long do we wait to get past these guys? Do we wait another 10 years? In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter in our daily lives, but from our sports viewing life, would hate to go through all this and you have LeBron and AD and you still are behind the Celtics. It's it's it, That's the part that I'm worried about. The Celtics lose on their way. In the end, it becomes a little bit easier to swallow what's been going on with the Lakers here at this point. And that's really where my head is at this point. So I'm focused on Philly. I am curious about Oklahoma City. Will Presti say, I'm going to wait? I'm going to let them get some experience this year, and then I'm going to wait because as good as Presti is, as good as he is, is he going to make the same mistake he made the first time around when he had three MVPs on his team? Is he going to assume that there's time? Because in this business, there is no time. If you have a chance to strike, strike now. Chet Holmgren is not ready to be that guy, the second guy, let's say, to Shea Gilgis. But he could help if you have a second guy get in front of him, maybe, or at least comparable. If there's going to be a shot to try to win it all this, this, this year would be good, especially if Denver has some kind of injury, Clippers clip, the East is the East. Why not? Why not go for it right now? You have the assets. Go for it now. Try to get something going now. I'd be. I, I'm, I'll be honest. If I was Oklahoma City right now, if there's a big name that's available, like secretly, I try to figure out a way to go get them. Because right, there's limited time, for, even for Oklahoma City, because SGA, Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, they'll all be eligible for contracts here in the not too distant future down the road so that's something as far as what you can do as far as 
cap wise gets more and more limited the further you go along but it's yeah. it's the nba looks like and it might change you know the nba is weird like that it changes sometimes every five years it could be the nba could be in its five-year window where it's kind of like when a when a quarterback gets becomes a star and his uh his pay is low someone like brock purdy someone like Russell Wilson. You know, the reason why the Seattle Seahawks in 2013 and 2014 were able to put together one of the greatest defenses of all time was because they had a third, fourth round quarterback who was getting paid nothing. They could just, they just stockpiled that defense. Their, their secondary Defensive linemen were were would be starters in other teams. That's how good they were. Right, reminded me of the Cowboys in '92, where they just had stacks and stacks of players, and it's 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 really decimating to the opponent when you're getting into the third and fourth quarters, and then Seattle's second team is there just performing just as good as the first. You're just not gonna you're not gonna be able to make it. <laughs> it's it's just not gonna work. It's too hard of a game. So the, the the NBA looks like it's going that way, where you're gonna have to start taking advantage of the the the, the young stars that you pick that are quick contributors before they start getting their supermax money. Oklahoma City is not going to pay, from what I believe, two supermax contracts. I don't think that's gonna work in Oklahoma City, otherwise unless they want a two man two-star team and maybe a couple of guys here and there, and then the rest are just scrubs. This is Oklahoma City, folks. This is not Balmer in, in, in L.A. So, th- so I would, if I'm Presti, I would, and I guess he can play the, he could play that, 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 that path too, where, Hey man, I got all these draft picks. I could just replenish. I can replenish. That's the next thing I want to see in this evolution of the NBA. Can a young team, win a championship and ironically his team was the most recent young team that actually made it to the finals that's that's not the norm young teams don't usually go far in the playoffs in the nba you usually need a veteran team but he had one of the youngest teams go to the finals in, in 2012 it's a lot of a lot of a lot of good discussions here if we wanted to talk nba as a whole on, on what's happening. And we will, even on the Lakers show, because I think it's important because the Lakers could see themselves in a few years here getting, I wouldn't say this, I, I wanted to say scraps, but it would be the high-end scraps of teams that can't afford to pay what might be the next star because they got, they were too good in the draft, which Presti is. He's too good. I mean, come on, guys. This guy should have been executive of the decade. Durant, which that guy kind of fell. I mean, you're going to pick him second. I don't know if I want to give you give him all that credit. But then getting Westbrook at four and getting uh, Harden, I think, at three. That's those are those are pretty pretty good ones. Two, three, and four. Boom. You got you got three MVPs, and you would have disturbed. If that team was the, the Lakers picking, 
they would have there would be no Golden State Warrior dynasty. But because you're in Oklahoma City, you gotta deal with money situations over there. That that might be good for the Lakers down the road, one way or the other. So Nick, no, we need we need Bob Myers, Gary. Yeah. Bob I Myers is the for, guy you I want. That for months. Bob Myers did the same thing Presti did. The only difference is Bob Myers had a bigger wallet to play with. We already know he can do that. Go get Bob Myers, but unfortunately, Jeannie likes I don't know. Jeannie likes people that have that like to go to Rodea Drive with her for whatever reason. So, Nick, let me ask you this. Outside of the Lakers, who are you interested in keeping an eye on that might be active come the trade deadline? Yeah, Gerald, um, aside from the teams that Joe mentioned, and I agree with his list and his observations, um, I'm interested to see what the Chicago Bulls do. Um, You know, there's a lot of rumors surrounding uh, many of their players, what they're going to do, the direction that the team is taking. Um, obviously, we know the rumors surrounding uh, players like Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Vucevic. Um, obviously, there's teams apparently in contention that covet Alex Caruso. So I'm interested to see what the Chicago Bulls actually do tomorrow. Um, I assume one or more of those players will not be a Chicago Bull um, in less than 24 hours, but um, we'll see if I'm right or wrong. Stone, that brings it to you. Is there anyone out there else as far as a team that you're looking at, the Knicks or Brooklyn? or I know you've mentioned those teams. And Any more thoughts on the trade deadline itself? I know you had a ton of notes, and I want to make sure they're all finished off. But, yeah, my friend, anything else You know, just uh, seeping out at you come, I, come tomorrow? I had, obviously, I sort of made a list of players I thought were like 50-50 available that players I think are, are pretty likely – uh to be moved but i'm not guaranteeing anything so um you know there's a, a decent chance to move there's another smaller list i have of guys that i think are probably like i would say 25 percent available teams are probably listening on these guys uh not necessarily shopping them and trying to move them but i think they're listening to offers that come through on them they're not viewed as untouchable uh guys like that to me would be like i think josh giddy is probably more available than people realize um Josh Green is another one. Lou Dort, Jordan Clarkson, Gary Trent Jr., uh, Clint Capella, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, the the Hawks one, um, PJ Washington, Daniel Gafford, uh, Caruso. Uh, I think Tyler Hero is going to be a name that is, like I said, this is like 25% going to happen, but I think he's probably more available than people realize. Um and Quentin Grimes. Those are just names the Lakers probably don't have the assets to get. Uh, maybe of those names, you you think the Lakers can attain somebody like a Lou Dort or a Jordan Clarkson, uh, maybe a Bogdan Bogdanovich, but um, still, these are names that are not you know jumping off the page at you. They're just more uh, guys that are a little bit more of an upgrade than somebody like a DeLon Wright or something. Um, what Here's see. what I've got for you. <laughs> HS for Cam Whitmore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had Sorry. that chance and we blew it. But yeah. Or or Podzimski. But uh the uh yeah, Lakers, I think the most intriguing team to me. Uh obviously Joe mentioned the Thunder, the Knicks are another team with a ton of draft capital. 
Uh, both teams, I feel like, are sort of sitting in similar positions in their conferences. They're both probably tier two teams. They're not right there on the top, but they have so many picks that they can bring in the the you know missing link that maybe gets them to that top tier of contention. And I'm interested to see what both do. Like Joe said, there's maybe a maybe there's a name that we don't know about, and if there's a star. I think either of those teams are making a mistake by not going for it this year because both are sort of in that sort of area that uh, they can really make a push. Um, The Hawks are a team that have a ton of guys that I think are, they're going to take calls on Bogdan Bogdanovich, Hunter, Clint Capella. uh, The list goes on and on DeJounte, who knows, but a lot of stuff there. Um, The, Raptors, too, are probably the only other team I'd bring in here. Uh, they obviously moved off OG and Siakam. They got their trades done early before the deadline. They're big ones, at least. Uh, but they still have some remaining pieces. You got Gary Trent, Jakob Pertl. Uh, seems they're going for a retool, not a rebuild. So it's, it'll be interesting to see you know, if they, if they move on from those guys. Yeah, I think that's about it. The only thing, too, I'll hit on is Joe makes a good point about drafting and i think that something that gets lost in a lot of conversations is the fact the lakers have bought this team not drafted it uh and you're seeing the repercussions of that uh i think and you look at the real top teams right now most of most of those teams at least two of their three best players are drafted by that team uh teams like the celtics have jalen brown and jason tatum teams like the sixers have Embiid and maxi uh a lot of the top teams are uh, obviously the Nuggets have Jokic, Murray. Um, a lot of the top teams, at least two of the three best players, are drafted by that team. Uh, and I think it makes sense when you consider the fact that they've had many years of continuity to grow and expand um, and you know grow with that franchise. Uh, it's obviously necessary sometimes to bring in free agents. You can't win it all by drafting alone. Uh, we saw the Warriors and Spurs dynasties uh, they were all drafted um, with obviously Clay, Draymond, and Steph, and then the Spurs with Duncan, Manu, and in uh, Parker. Um, so I think the modern NBA, a lot of it has to do with good drafting, and you can't draft well if you're throwing all your picks uh, at players to get better. So we'll see how it goes, but I thought that was an interesting point that Joe brought up and I wanted to expand on it a little bit. I'll tell you what, uh, great thoughts from each and every one of you and truly appreciate everyone out there in the chat, the best Lakers chat room that's out there, the Lakers fast break. Again, we will be on the air for sure at 10 AM Pacific tomorrow for three hours of NBA trade deadline coverage and analysis. If I can get on sooner, I will go on sooner. And then, of course, at 3 p.m. Pacific time, we will be on for an hour to honor Kobe as his statue gets unveiled from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Then don't forget our usual pregame tomorrow night during the game on playback and the simulcast. And, of course, the best post game that's around and, of course, the best Lakers nightcap around will be there for the Lakers and the Denver Nuggets. So, guys, uh, I think we had a great NBA trade preview. Joe's looking all spiffy and his little smiling thing going on, his fake smile. There you going on. All right. There you go. Joe, any last thoughts? You're right, man. What's with the cerebral palsy move there? Wow. It's just like you're all your. What the heck did you. 
man, did you really have to go there? Yeah. Oh, man. You're like... Because you're doing your fake smile stuff. It wasn't fake. I was laughing. I've heard your laugh. You were not laughing. Bob Myers ain't afraid to spend to the better team. Go get Bob Myers, Genie, and let's get this thing flipped, please. Been saying that since the summer, but yeah. Common sense if, uh, evades. If he's not hired by now. I think he's probably just happy with retirement. He's probably I don't think so. I don't, no, I don't think I don't think that's the case. I really don't. He left Golden State fully knowing that Steph Curry became the GM over there. Well, it's going to be I a would great like him, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Nick, any last thoughts before we head on out, my friend? I truly appreciate you stopping by as well, along with Stone Hansen and Joe Soro. No, thanks for hosting, Gerald. Um, yeah, no further thoughts from me. Um, let's just cross our fingers that the right decisions are made tomorrow and that, you know, for the remainder of the season, um, we have at least an, an honorable ending to the season and not uh, get embarrassed uh, by uh, G League level teams. <laughs> Fair enough. Indeed. But once again, it is the Lakers fast break. Please join us wall-to-wall coverage tomorrow. If you haven't yet subscribed, please do so. So you get the latest notifications again, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. Pacific. Then of course, tomorrow night, pregame, during the game, postgame, and of course, Lakers nightcap. So it's going to be a long day for us, but we're doing it for you out there. So hopefully you will tune in and enjoy our coverage. Looking forward to it. Uh, I will try to get Laker Tom. He has uh, said he's going to try to phone in. Yeah, because this year I don't think he'll be able to be on the air no, like he has been in the past. Phone in. What is this uh, to become a millionaire? Uh, something like that. Yeah. I, he's he's going to call collect <laughs> or maybe just stream off his phone or something. Why, like what is, what's going on with Laker Tom? He's been moving for four months. Who moves in four months? He's 70. Yeah. <laughs> Nine, Joe. Joe, I, I heard you on the nightcap say, is he moving to Kuwait? <laughs> yeah, what the hell's going on with this guy? Uh, I'm being so serious. Hard. Yeah, uh, Stone was able to move his entire room to Tennessee, you know, so like, Dicker Tom shouldn't have like that much of an issue. This guy moved across the damn country and he's, it took him two weeks. This guy, four months, where moving where? Where the hell did Tom move anyways? Wow. <laughs> that's up to him well maybe you'll share some thoughts tomorrow but thanks, thanks for not answering the question that's because i don't know where well, he's moving to know. good god man say you don't know get prepared for some of this tomorrow because we might if it's going to be a slow nba trade deadline we'll try to entertain you as best we can as only we can uh kurt affair says laker tom is walking all of his boxes one by one maybe he is uh, maybe he is but it is, of course, the Lakers fast break. Truly appreciate you joining us again tomorrow, all day. You tune in. You keep us right there with you. And, of course, we are glad to go ahead on, and make Scarlett. sure. Really? Bob Myers is overrated? Really? Are you just uh, saying that? Come on. Four championships there, the Scarlett. Drafted, and, by the way, that guy drafted guys late. Steph was a sixth pick. Clay was an 11th pick. Draymond was a second-round pick. Three Hall of Famers, four championships. Come on, you, come on. you guys got it. You guys, some of you got got to really. Unless you're messing with us, I'll, I'll get the joke. But come on.
And not every response has to include the Epstein Island thing. It's like anytime you see somebody that you don't like on on TV, oh, was he on the island? <laughs> what the hell's wrong with you people, man? <laughs> La Island. What island? La Island. The island. Like that's the only island. I will just say that I appreciate everyone being on. You can tell you can tell Gerald's like, God, please don't say anything bad. Yeah, but but you gotta yeah exactly. I'm just trying to make sure we can cut our losses best we can. Nick Stone, Joe, great to have you here. I know somebody will say something just like outrageous during the trade deadline. I can't cover all three hours. Yeah, just hope for the best. But it is of course the Lakers fast break. Don't forget again trade deadline, Kobe statue unveiling, pregame, during the game, postgame, and Lakers nightcap. We've got a full day planned for you. Hopefully you've got it planned with us right here at the Lakers.